um, a Sunday that no doubt I hope will set the scene for this year and many of our hearts and lives. Um, there's a lot of things that are good about a new year. And I, I want to be deliberate and very um, personal with us this morning as a church about the next few weeks. Um, corporately, individually, uh, those of us who have um, championed a vision uh, for the last uh, long time, amen, and even to our young people who we are asking uh, to embrace and take ownership of now vision. And I'm, I'm just going to encourage you while, uh, as an eldership team, we've been talking about what this looks like. And, 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 of course, my job is to share. I've also asked Breno to take one of the Sundays here in January and speak to our younger people, our younger generation, in particular about how you can own what the eldership team is presenting to us as a church. So look forward to that. Amen. Um, and I, I think it's going to be something that I, I hope you'll embrace with intent, not just, okay, this is what we do every January at Firm. Um, I thought in particular about this January for sure. Each January is unique to me in the sense that January 4th, amen, of um, 2004 was my first introduction to Firm Foundation Ministries as a church on a Sunday morning worship. So for 17 years now, amen, um, this has been a, an incredible journey for me personally, and I, I want you to understand that. Um, there, there's a personal aspect to what I see in this. So 17 years for me, for some of you, for some of our founding members, it's been a lot longer than that, 1996. Um, and uh, we look at the good things that God has done. When God does good things, initially our our initial thought process is let's just rest in that. Amen? Uh, but as a builder, I think God calls us to something unique. And so I want to... Um, I want to share with you why I believe that 2021 is going to be a year of hope. Not just because 2020 seemed to be a year of discouragement. So if you will, let's start off in Isaiah. I've been talking about just a personal Bible study that I've done over the last little bit in Isaiah. I just want to share with you what I believe God shared with me personally in the next few weeks. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I need you to understand it's important to see God where he belongs. It's more important to see God where he belongs than to just see God. And I think it's important that Isaiah points this out. He just didn't say, I saw the Lord. He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. There's authority. There is um, power. There is something of, 
um, in charge there. He said, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. Mm. Verse 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I'm lost from a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. Fill us, God, with hope. Your hope is a hope that never disappoints. Your hope is a hope that never fades. Lord, for it's you that we hope in, not a thing, not a situation, not a circumstance. Help us, God, to be a people who hope in our God. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now I'm going to ask this, uh, just a question. Um, and, and, I, and I don't want to get too, like, philosophical over it. It's just a question. What's so important about a date? January 1st. It happens every 365 days. What's so important about a date? Like, if you want to start new, you can start anytime. You have to wait for January 1st. If you want to uh, make new goals, if you want to uh, press into to, uh, anything different, if you want to change, you don't have to wait for January 1st. I mean, what's so important about a date? Like the world doesn't pause for a moment just so it can click to January 1st. It just, you know what I'm saying? The world keeps turning. What, what is so important about a date? Well, let me tell you what I think for us a new year does. There's something spiritual about it. There's, there's nothing monumental or miraculous about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, at midnight, 1159, uh, on December 31st of 2020, and the clock changed to midnight, uh, January 1st of 2021. I, I'm going to be honest with you, nothing changed. COVID didn't go away. All of a sudden, the government didn't get its act together. Nothing changed. Come on, church. It's a new year, right? I mean, let me express to you, though, why I ask these questions the way I asked it, because here's what I want you to grab. 
What a new year does is give us a place to start together. I personally can make a change to start fresh any day I want to. I can, I can renew my reading schedule. I can renew my memorization. I can, I can uh, uh, decide to change my diet. I, I know there's a good group every year in January here at church that start the Daniel fast. You no meat for a month and you people are crazy. I just don't get it. But I'm glad you do it. I understand that, uh, you know, the Daniel fast is important until it violates your coffee. And then you can make some changes. Like, okay, you know, Daniel wasn't really serious about this because, hello, somebody. Listen, I got caffeine too, okay? I just don't drink coffee. Mine comes in pre-workout. Don't judge me. See, but what a new year does is it gives us, everybody say us, us a place to start together, right? And let me tell you how important I think that is because that's what vision is. Come on, church, that's what vision is. It's that thing or that place that gives us unity in chaos. That's what I want you to grab here. There's nothing spiritual about 2021, okay? Except for in this place, in this moment, in this time, I believe God gives us a place to start together. And this is what needs to happen. If the world is going to change, the church needs to be more unified than it ever has been before. Listen, I pay attention to politics, and, and I, I, all, I understand January 6th is the big date. Let's pray and let's fast, all those But I'm not putting my trust in corrupt men and corrupt governments. Just not going to do it. I'm going to do my part. But my trust has got to be in, in the person who gives me a place to start with you to make change that lasts. Unity in the church is important, especially in times of chaos. In the beginning, if you read Genesis, the, the earth was void and without form. The word is chaos. And God comes to bring order to chaos. And he gives all of creation a place to start. The New Testament church is birthed on the day of Pentecost. He gave, he, he, listen, he gave, are you with me? He gave the church a place to start together. This is why I think January is important to us. Because here you and I are as a church, our vision is firm. To be a people of God in the community, to impact the community, right? To be an apostolic church that sins, sins, sins. Please don't be afraid of the word apostolic. It just, it just means sending, Ones who sinned. To be, to be a sending church, right? So in order to be a sending church, you have to be an equipping church. In order to be an equipping church, there's got to be discipleship. And in order to disciple, there's got to be investment in people. Y'all not. See, I've got all this stuff working through my mind. Why? Because chaos is what God left the church on earth to deal with. None of this is in my notes, so I'm sorry about your luck. I'm just talking. 
Matter of fact, I only got like a page and a half of notes today, so we live will be here all day. <laughs> Matt's greatest fear when I hand him a page and a half of notes. Our vision, come on, church, is it confined? Is it limited? Are we ready to turn loose our vision and let it grow? Spiritually, physically, financially. Come on, church. It, it takes that for us as a church. And, and I just need you to understand something. The idea that I have is a couch, or a, a, a sofa versus sanctuary. I, I'm just telling you, church. I, I do stu- I study for the sermons and those things. And I read a lot. And, those, and obviously, I'm looking for a lot of illustrations. And to help us kind of come to a point where we can all grab it. Jesus did that with parables. They're just stories Uh, to people about current things that allow you to relate to what he's teaching. I I read this story about a young man who makes his living 100%. He was sick of working for the man. Hello, somebody. Didn't want to work nine to five. He wasn't built for that. Some people are. And so he got very entrepreneurial, and he, he lived uh, uh, close to the ocean. And, and in his mind, he, he, got, he got really tired of walking by uh, uh, the, the, the aquarium shops and, and seeing that people were going in there and buying fish to put it. He's like, why can't I sell people fish? I love the ocean. I love to dive. I love to do these things. And so he started his own business as a young man discovering the exotic fish that people wanted in their saltwater aquariums. And so every day he would go out there to the reef, he would dive, and he would catch these fish and then sell them. And so this young man, he's got a full-time job doing what he loves. He said one of the most popular fish in aquariums, saltwater tanks, are sharks. That's interesting. It's not usually a fish you want to come in contact with when you're swimming in the ocean. Somebody say amen. But he explained that he learned that if he started catching sharks when they were small, that they would stay to the size proportionate to the aquarium people would put them in. And what he understood is that sharks can be six inches long and be fully mature. Why? Because they can only grow to their environment. Here's the deal. If you turn that shark loose in an ocean that has no boundaries, it never stops growing. Its whole lifetime it continues to grow. And so, here's what we got to understand, church. That oftentimes when God gives us vision, when he gives us uh, an idea or a thought process. Listen, we say this all the time as an eldership team when we pray. God, help us dream your dream. Why? Because my dreams fit really good inside of aquariums. Because then I can deal with them. And there's no fear 
over a six inch shark. I can control it, I can manipulate it, but it looks good, man. I got a shark. You want to see my shark? Some of y'all used to come over to my house and, and, and see my alligator. You remember my alligator? Yeah, Dundee. She was an amazing critter. I had her for years. This seven-year-old alligator who could, should have been eight, nine foot long in, in the wild. She was, you know, three and a half foot or so, whatever. And, and eventually it was time to do something with Dundee. But I, I love that alligator. You get her out, and she rolls the house, and we feed her raw turkey. And, and, and every once, I can't say that. Some, somebody will get mad at me. But uh, anyway, um, the, the girls used to bring in toads and, and put in there. Toads do well in an aquarium unless there's a live alligator in there. They don't do really well very long. Um, But again, there is no fear of this seven, eight-year-old alligator because she's confined. But I can take you to Florida where I grew up. We can go in them swamps. <laughs> and I can show you a seven or eight-year-old alligator that you want nothing to do with. You see, this is what happens to us in the modern-day church. We, we love this aquarium for vision. Oh, yeah, I see. I, I'm, just, I'm just talking this morning a little bit. See, uh, my question is, is our vision confined? Is it limited? Yes, God will embrace this vision a, a, as much as our budget will handle it. We'll embrace this vision as much as it allows us to be comfortable. We'll embrace this vision as much as it doesn't require my commitment. And so we wind up with a six-inch vision that looks beautiful. It's glorious. I mean, it's, come look at this thing. Come look at this shark and come look at this alligator. Come poke it. Is it real? Yes, it's real. Say it with me. God has bigger plans. Come on, say it with me. God has bigger plans. He has bigger plans. Have you had a vision from the Lord? Let me ask you it this way. Have you ever, have you ever seen the glory of God? One time in my life in a tent revival, I experienced the Shekinah glory of God. The smoke of God came in under that tent. And every person, 300 or more people on their face, you could not stand in the presence one time. And I remember walking outside of that tent as, and, and, and just praying as, as God was moving. And Pastor Rick was preaching. And it was unbelievable. And, and, and Derek and I, our job was to, 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 to pray that night and, and to just encompass the tent and pray and pray and pray. And we were praying. And I remember it was as clear as a Florida night could be. It was unbelievably clear. But you could not see under that tent. 
glory of God moved in and put people on their face and shook people. Have you ever seen the glory of God? Maybe not the Shekinah. Maybe that's not what you've seen or before. Maybe you've never seen the glory of God. But I guarantee you that when you see it, it'll change you. It will shake you. You see the glory of God, it'll shake the sin out of you. You see the glory of God, it'll shake unrighteousness in your life. It, 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 It will violate you to the place to where you will stand like one of the greatest prophets in the whole book and say, whoa, I don't belong here. Come on, somebody. Is it dangerous? It, when you, it'll, you'll be like Moses when, God, when he says to God, show me your glory. And God's like, no, 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 no. We're not, you, you're not ready. Come on, church. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to put you in a place that will protect you as I, come on, church. The Bible said that Moses' life was so impacted by the glory of God that physically he was changed so much so that others saw it. You see, here's what I do. We can we can come in here on Sundays and we can play patty cake and pretend like we ain't got no sin in our life. Pretend like God winking at our little bit of unrighteousness that we willfully live in. That's what modern day church does to us. It allows us to live in sin and think it's okay. I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm all right. I'm talking about an encounter with God so powerful that it shakes us. That it violates us. That it speaks to me about what God wants to do. That I get to see his plan is so much bigger. That I need to lay my life down. Amen. In ways that God can include me in that. It changed Isaiah. I just need you to understand this church. This thing changed him. It shook him. It manifested something in him to the point that it brought him to an amazing point of humility. I can't even be here. And verse 1 and 2, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne and high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and above him stood seraphim each had six wings with two he covered it the angels covered their face with two they covered their feet and with two they flew and 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 and, and you got to grab a hold of this right here's the heart of the prophet who is broken because Uzziah the king is dead you got to understand why his heart is broken, not just because the king is dead. Uzziah was his friend. Oh. Uzziah was not only the king, he was a friend of Isaiah's. Come on, church. 
No doubt this past year we've heard about people passing away and, and it, you know, it grieves us and those particular things. And, and maybe some of us in the room have experienced uh, not, not only just hearing of others passing away, but someone personal to us passing away. And it's a different kind of grief, isn't it? It impacts you different, reach deeper. It, 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 it matters something to you. So Isaiah is not only a, a, a prophet underneath the governing of the king. And I need you to understand that. All the prophets in the scripture were under the government of the king, even if the king was evil. Every prophet should submit to it. I got a different sermon on that later. This was a good king for most of his reign. And his heart was breaking. And he made his way to the temple to worship, to seek God for guidance and comfort during his grief. And God met him there. Come on, church, imagine being the friend of a king. Not just a position, because all the prophets would have had a position of some sort, but not just, but a friend of the king, a friend of the king. I, I can't describe that to you. I don't know how to share that with you. I, I just remember several years ago when Marlon Stutzman, uh, Matt Lynette's brother, was, was a congressman, and he invited us to Washington, D.C. to do a spiritual heritage tour with David Barton. It's a three-day tour. It was, it was life shaking and transforming you can't go to washington dc and not run into jesus it was incredible they can deny him all they want to and we spent three days there and i i remember being able to go places with marlin that no one else could go because i was a friend of the congressman you know those barriers they put up and say, sorry, you can't go here? Marlon was like, come on. One night we were going to stand on the speaker's balcony at the Capitol. We went after the Capitol had closed and at the Capitol building. And, and, and we were getting a private tour of the Capitol building. I had to sit on the couch where John Quincy Adams died. And Marlon wanted to take us to the speaker's balcony, which if you look right down is where the president gets sworn in. And those type of things you can see right down. I mean, it's an incredible thought, but it was closed. And the security guard said, I I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Congressman Stutzman, but it's closed and locked. We can't open it. And I remember Marlon said, who's your boss? And the security guard said, so-and-so. And he said, call him. So he called him. And the security guard said, you know, said, sir, I, I have uh, Congressman Stutzman here, and he would like to talk to you. And, and Congressman Stutzman on the phone, I don't know who he's talking to. He just said, uh, yeah, this is Congressman Stutzman. I've got a guest here with me, uh, Reverend Smith. I know, don't call me Reverend. We'll give Jesus Reverend. But <laughs> Congressman Stutzman can call me Reverend. It's fine. Reverend Smith is here, and I'd like to take him out on the balcony, but your security guard won't open the door for me. Security guard said, yes, sir. Click, open the door. <laughs> right, like we got to go where no one else could go. Because I was a friend of the congressman. Hello, somebody. Now, imagine if you're a friend of the king. you got to understand Isaiah's movement here. This is not just like, I'm sad what's going to happen to us. The king is dead. This is like, my friend is dead. 
God, what is going on? This thing has died. What's going to become of me if my king and my friend is dead? What's going to happen to you and your vision, God? What is taking place right here? This is a heartbreak that he can't contain. And so he finds himself in the temple worshiping. And see, I just need you all to understand something. There's an enemy out there who wants to take worship away from us and cause us to trade it into something else that doesn't look like anything God... Y'all not helping me. I'm just... You see, I believe in all the heartache of 2020, God met us there. I, God met us there in ways we could not have imagined. In ways we could not have ever seen God before, we have been able to see God. In ways we could not have experienced God unless we could not... Come on, church. God met us there. There's something. And now, here we are, the first Sunday in 2021, and it's just a date. But it's a place for you and me. It's a place for this ministry to to find vision in chaos. Church is important. Let me share a couple of thoughts with you. I can't do all of America's history with you this morning, but here's a, here's a couple of things. Uh, some things that shook us as a country. 1963, a young, uh, vibrant, dynamic young politician had become president, John F. Kennedy. You should have Democrats vote like that again. Cut down by an assassin's bullet. And our nation instantly was plunged into grief. I wasn't born. Some of you were. Some of you know that feeling. Wait, what's going to happen to us? Our president was assassinated. Assassinated. Uh, I'm just. I can, I can only go back so far today, but we could move all the way through things. But the, at that moment, the nation was plunged into grief. Let me tell you what happened in that moment. As the nation was plunged into grief over the assassination of our president, whether you were a Republican or a Democrat at that moment didn't matter. The church was packed. The church was packed. Instantly, people went to seek God. What is going on? What is happening? God, what do we do? People flocked to churches in the greatest numbers since the announcement of the end of World War II. Yes, they did. Ministers instantly changed their sermon and and preached messages of healing and hope for the people of America. It happened again in uh, 2001 on 9-11. I actually had my gospel revival tent put up that weekend. We were doing revival and, and all of a sudden I can remember where I was at cutting meat in, in, in southern Georgia at that particular day and, and I remember just people flocking to the grocery store instantly and the news was just playing as the towers were burning and coming down. I, I remember where I was that day and I remember the grocery store just shutting the doors early because everything was gone in an instant. And I I got home, and and we were getting ready because we were supposed to have revival service again that night. And and we contemplated, you know, not doing church because nobody knew what was going on. And and I remember just feeling, no, if we do anything, we've got to worship. 
And, and that night there had to be five, six hundred people under a tent that would only hold 300 people. And little bitty Warsaw, Florida. Some of you guys have been there. Right across the street from the Possum Monument. People were, boom. I wasn't scheduled to preach that night. Another preacher from our town, or a town just over, was scheduled to preach, Mike White, that night under our tent revival. And, and he called me and he's like, Brother, he said, I, I, can't, I can't leave my church. People are just flooding in here right now. It, it's not even church day or whatever. And there were people at the altar. And I was like, Do your business, brother. I can preach. I remember preaching and people coming and giving their heart and life to the Lord on that night. People flooded the church for months and months and months afterwards. Our nation was shook. And it happened again in 2020. The unimaginable. Something you can't even see this time. You can find an assassin. You can, come on church, you can deal with terrorists. You, But the nation is shook because it's invisible. You, you can't trust anyone around you anymore. You can't, who do I talk to? Can I talk? Can I be here? Can I go there? I don't know. Like all of this shakes us to the core. Only this time, they told us not to worship. Only this time they said, don't go to church. You see, the enemy doesn't want us to see God in his rightful place. Amen. 700 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem, a sad announcement was made. The king is dead. He's only the 11th king of Judah, it's, and he reigned 52 years. He was 16 years old when he came, and, and an incredible revival took place. I don't have time to read your Bible for you, but listen. When he was, and, and, and revival took place, and he tore down idols, and, and, and he was an incredible guy. God gave him visions, and, and, and the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, he prospered. And, and God helped him design uh, um, war machines and, and, and all kinds of things. You have to go through the Old Testament and read all the things God placed in the mind of Uzziah. Incredible architectural things, incredible things that no one had ever imagined before. And, and the Bible says, as long as he sought the Lord, God strengthened him. God strengthened him. God strengthened him. And, and, and of course, we know at the end of his life, he, he did what only the priest should do. And, and he struggled with leprosy after that. But what I need you to see from here is that God needed his people to see, I have a greater plan and a greater vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on his throne. High and I have a greater plan and a greater vision. It's a tough time to lose the king. It's a tough time to raise your head during worship when your heart is crushed. It's a, it's a tough time to believe you could ever see another king who would be as good as this king. It's a, it's a tough time in his mind because 
He's the ultimate king. But God said, no, 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 no. Let me challenge your trust. My church, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And at the side were angels who had one job. They had one job. They had one job. Give glory to God, right? And these angels were beings without sin. And here they are. And they were pure as they could be. Yet they had to cover themselves from the glory of God. It took took four wings to protect them from the glory of God. I've got got a, a statue someone gave me of Michael the archangel in my office and, of course, his wings are spread out, and he's not this little bitty, you know, baby angel you might have as a whatnot or something on your shelf. Or this guy's got a sword with his foot on top of Satan's head and a chain around his waist running down his leg around Satan's I love it. Like, he's a bad man. That's Michael. If I picture an angel, I don't see Sorry, ladies, I love you. You're beautiful creations. But the Bible never describes angels in a feminine way. It always describes them as a warrior class. I see them ready for battle. These battle-ready creatures protecting themselves from the glory of God. And in the middle of that, all they can say is holy, holy Here's the question. How big is our vision? And when the preacher talks about it, do you get excited? I belong to that. That's for me. God brought me to that. Listen, that one thing that brings unity in a time of chaos is the vision of God. My church... Because a broken world only has broken remedies to throw at problems. I need you to hear this this morning, church, and seemingly the worst nightmare. Many times what God does is he sends a mighty, forceful vision of who he is and what he's doing in order to comfort us and help us stay on track. Verse 3. And one called to another and said, holy, let me show you this thing. Holy, 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 holy. In Revelation chapter 4, Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible is repeating itself. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, our definition of holiness is more than likely wrong. I think that God's standard of holiness means he's set apart, church. Nothing compares to him. I see the Lord high, and he's on his throne. Nothing, nothing can touch him. Nothing can compare to him. And this morning, as we start this journey over the next few weeks, let me me give you five truths that I'm going to ask you to write down and hold on to as we move through this. Five truths about God's size vision. The proclamation of God's holiness gave Isaiah a new God-sized vision. He saw God different than he'd ever saw. He's the prophet. God's standard of holiness means he's set apart and nothing compares to him. Come on, church. We sing the songs. Come on. Y'all not helping me? 
God's holiness has to be our standard. If, if our God is set apart and nothing compares to him, then that means we're set apart and nothing compares to us. An angel is busy proclaiming God's holiness, Isaiah's vision, his purpose in life. Everything changed in that moment. Everything changed in that moment. Why, why, why is a new year important to us? Why? It's just a date on the calendar. Let me tell you something, church. It gives us some place and something in a time of chaos to start together. Here we go. Here we go. The proclamation of God's holiness brings a new vision of the Lord. That's what we need as a, as a, as a, as a Western world church. Is we, we need a fresh vision of God. We do. You get a fresh vision of God, you stop playing with sin. You get a fresh vision of God, you stop playing with unrighteousness. You get a fresh vision of God, your mind starts thinking differently. You get a fresh vision of God, you start hungering and thirsting for different things. You, because nothing compares to him. Listen, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, nothing else will satisfy you. I'm sorry. I can't be satisfied with the world telling me it's going to be okay. Because their definition of okay is warped. Do you understand that there are politicians right now leading our country who said that we got to do away with the pronouns of father and daughter? This is as warped as it gets. How is redefining gender pronouns going to help the world at all? I just I can't grab a hold of it. One of the greatest honors in this life is to be a father. There are no riches that compare to that. There's no sorrow or burden that compares to it. I can just tell you that right now. Daughter, mom, son, what, what's next? What's next? What's next, church? That so much, we trust in this unrighteousness so much so that they get to decide that pedophilia is okay. And our young lady, y'all not listening to me this morning because I had enough of this bull. I ain't trusting them no more. I want to see the Lord high and lift. I got, I got somebody else to look at. I got something else to see. I got something that's going to change my life and give me purpose and vision. I, I got something else to do. I turn that mess off and I got to get into here where I know truth is going to violate me so much that it's going to change me for the glory of God. Amen. Like I, I, got, to, I got to see God. 
Number two, a God-sized vision is going to challenge the heart of who we are. Isaiah saw God's glory, and his heart was challenged. Everything he thought he knew was challenged. He was like, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. I, I don't belong here. What if God just took us through a season where in his sovereignty that will never make sense to our little peanut brains, because his ways are not our ways, did you ever read that in your book? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What if the season we just went through and are still going through is a season where God is allowing everything that we have put our trust in to be moved and shaken? Amen. Uh, because, see, that's what tends to happen when we trust something more than we trust God. I thank God every day that I was born in a free country, in a free society. I'm as big a patriot as anybody. But when I idolize my patriotism and my Americanism, I exclude the vision that God has in birthing me in a place where I have the freedom, amen, to impact the world without challenge. There's a reason that our church is not a 501c3. That's on purpose. We are tax exempt. When you're a 50C3, the Johnson Act applies to you, and the government can come in and tell you what you can and can't preach from this pulpit. And as an eldership team, we're saying negative. If, if the president is ungodly, we'll call him that. You got no control over us because a founding father said that's the way it should be. Separation of church and state was never meant, was never meant, amen, to keep the church out of the state. It was meant to keep the state out of the church. So we say keep your hands off because we got something to say. We got vision here to change, right? And if God in his sovereignty wants to shake our nation in such a way to cause us to see that maybe we've been trusting in things other than him, you know what? I'm okay. What if God let 2020 happen to shake us so that we would understand we can't trust our own strength? Sometimes, even as Christians, we measure God by our strength. Oh. Even the prophet. Come on. I'm the prophet. I'm Isaiah. I know who God is until you see him high. Well, wait a minute. A little boy, he was excited. He talked to his mom because he had measured himself. and He was finally six foot tall. He'd been waiting and waiting. He wanted to be six foot tall. He, he, he'd been waiting for this day and he measured himself. And finally, he, he is six foot tall. And his mom was a little skeptical. So she asked him to measure himself again while she watched. And what she discovered is instead of finding a 12 inch ruler, he had found a six inch ruler. But he was 12 of them. Or six of them. Sorry. And there you go. No, 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 that, come on, church. You see, here's the problem. 
When we got the wrong ruler, we often wind up with the wrong standard. This is why he violated on 10 cents on a dollar when the Bible talks about tithing. Got the wrong ruler. This is why you violated when the Bible talks about righteousness versus unrighteousness, because you got the wrong ruler. Uh, well, God understands, right? Like, let me tell you what God understands. God understands that the sin that separated us cost him his son's life. That's what God understands. And a church cannot flow with the anointing of God when we allow the plumbing in our lives to be clogged with sin. And if we want the Holy Ghost flowing, whatever that may look like to you, I, I'm not, uh, whatever the Spirit of God moving, if we want God moving in our lives, if we're tired of being on the merry-go-round of stupid in our own personal life, so much so that it affects us that we can't be involved corporately because we seem to be on the same fail train, maybe you need a fresh vision of God. And your heart needs to be challenged. What I'm doing? Why am I doing this stupid? Listen, every decision has a destination. God is holy. God is holy. God is holy. I said God is holy. So a God-sized vision causes us to measure ourselves according to what God is doing, not measure God according to what we're doing. A God-sized vision will bring a shaking and a moving. And that's, I'm not like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm that kind of guy. I want church to shake. I want church to move. I want us together to be moved to God. I, I want to walk away from every one of our corporate worship service and go, man, God, yeah. Verse 4 said, the voices shook the temple and the foundation. Our entire building is filled with smoke. What if 2020 was actually God removing things he had not endorsed? How many of us have been stuck in a rut because, man, it's good. This is where I've been my whole life. It's just comfortable and it's normal God has to shake us a little bit to go, I, I didn't call you to be comfortable. I didn't call you to be comfortable. I didn't call you to be normal. I didn't call you to live in a rut. I, I called you to be stirred, uh, to stir us. And, and I pray this every week when I pray for the churches. Once a week, I make sure that a, a majority of my prayer time is, is to pray for the churches in our area. I don't have to know the pastor. I don't have to agree with everything. It's not important. God knows them, and God's doing his work, and it's not my business. God, you put them there. Would you shake them? Right? Like, when your vision is endorsed by God, his glory will be evident. Oh, y'all need to write it down. When your vision is endorsed by God, the glory of God will be evident. Because he's there. And that's my prayer for our church. But see, the glory of God flows into us, and, and, and instead, it gives us a, an idea that, well, you know what? The glory of God was here, and, and I, I know I still got this willful sin in my life, but God's glory came anyway, so God's okay with it. That's a false sense of God dealing with us as a people. 
I'm not talking about works. Listen, listen. I've been in the book of Ephesians lately, and it's an incredible book. Listen, listen to me, church. I reap the benefits of Jesus' obedience. He went to the cross for me, and I reap the benefits of his sacrifice. So I understand what it means to rest in the finished work of Christ, but I also understand what it means to be, uh, I'm reading here, a, a prophet, a man of God, standing in the very presence of God and going, hold up a minute. I'm a sinful man, filthy lips, I'm living on, come on church. Yet I've seen the king of kings, the Lord of heaven's armies. I've seen him. God's glory, what happens church is it brings evidence that God is dealing with our life. If you've ever seen the king, you'll never be the same. If you've ever seen the king, you'll never be the same. You know why you're bored with your Bible reading? Because you don't see the king. You know why you're bored with prayer? Because you don't experience the presence of the king. I can guarantee you when you get in your Bible and God starts revealing himself to you, you'll get addicted to that. I guarantee you when you start to pray and the presence of God starts to show up, you won't want to leave the prayer closet. Are you with me, church, right? Like here's the thing that I need to encourage us as a church. If we've ever seen the king, we'll never be the same. All of God's correction comes to Isaiah's lips in a moment. Remember this. If your confession is wrong, if it's negative or faithless, your Vision will be warped and distorted every time. God-sized vision will show you your limits. It'll humble your movements. And it'll show you that he's the remedy. Church, he's the remedy. Let me tell you what the remedy is for COVID or for the issue of 2020 or whatever 2021 is going to be. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. He's the remedy. And I want more of him. I want more of him when we worship. I want more of him when we work. I want more of him in our vision. I want more of Jesus and less of me and less of us. I thank God that he has placed vision among our ministry to give us a place to start together. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, church. Jesus Christ saved you to give you a new confession. A confession of faith and vision. I once was an addict. But now I'm not. See, a delivered man walks in his deliverance, not in fear of his old addiction. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away, and all things have become, 
I got to walk in newness. I can't walk in the old one. Come on, church. I got to walk in newness, right? I used to be addicted. I used to be angry. I used to be violent. I used to be that. I ain't that way no more, right? Because you know why? I had a vision of God and one day God met me in a moment and I don't know if he had an angel take a coal off of an altar and put on my lips but whatever he did I receive all of it and I say do it again do it again do it again do it again every time I'm in the presence of God I want to say God thank you that your grace allows me to be here not my own strength a God-sized vision will direct your path It'll give you new purpose. And for us as a ministry, I can't get up here every week and just preach you a patty cake little sermon. I can't do that. I've tried. I can't. Sometimes it breaks my heart that there's pressure to do it. But I see Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 8, say, I heard the Lord asking. I heard the Lord asking Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Has God ever stirred you in the middle of the night with a dream? God God does it all the time. And I've got a practice of not, I don't get up and write the dream down. I get up and I write what I interpret God is speaking. Uh, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream, uh, and often I'm, well, I call I plagued with nightmares. I know it's just the enemy, but someone's knocking on my door, and so I got up, and I, I went to the doors in the middle of the night, and I asked, who is it? Because uh, my front door was different than it is on my house at this moment. I couldn't see through it, and so I asked them. They wouldn't say who they were, and they knocked on the door again. As I was standing, I said, who is it? And, and they wouldn't say, and so I asked uh, louder, who is it? And they wouldn't say, and so out of frustration, I grabbed the doorknob, and I opened it, and whoever it was on the other side instantly attacked me. Boom! And, and, and the, 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 it shook me so much so in the dream that I woke up instantly. And right away, I got up and I jotted down, attacked by an unknown source. I went back to bed. The next night, I went to bed and I had another dream. And maybe it's because I watched too many superhero movies. I don't know. But there was someone who was doing evil that needed to be apprehended. They needed to be gotten a hold of. And, and, and I had this power that I could just reach out and grab them. Uh, but the problem was that when I used that power to reach out and grab that person who was in the middle of a bunch of people, uh, it, it, that power also grabbed innocence. And everyone else suffered. And instantly I had to let it go. And I woke up from the dream violated that I had hurt other people. And so I wrote down in my dream... Ultimate power always affects innocence. Don't use it. That was a Wednesday night and a Thursday night. On a Friday, someone I had no idea, I don't know this person, blasted me. It's my day off. I have a little respect. And instant, you don't need to know the details. Instantly, you know what I felt? You want to fight? Let's go. And I felt the Lord speak to me. Don't. Don't use your power. 
I'll expose you. Everyone will know how naughty you are. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't. On Saturday, God dealt with that situation in grace and in mercy. See, y'all, y'all, you got to understand something, right? When we start getting in the Word and hearing the Spirit of God, our life gets governed differently than we would govern it ourselves, right? Who will go for me? I want to go for the Lord. I don't want to disqualify myself. Isaiah's confession brings newness to his life. Whom shall I send? I want to be a sent one. I want to be a sending one. I want to be in that place, right? God's size vision will direct your path and it'll give you purpose and it'll speak to the times where you're going to make a decision that it's foolish. Isaiah's confession brought with it God's vision, God's calling. This vision, this house, come on church, has a God-sized vision. Isaiah's confession brought with it God's vision, and along with God's vision came gifts that allowed him to not only touch his country, but to touch nations. Oh, come on church. This vision... It's bigger than Centerville. This vision is bigger than St. Joe County or Michigan. This vision is bigger than the United States of America. I need you to understand that the mission you and I are on is global. The gospel is global. It might not say worldwide ministries or whatever. Who, who cares about all of that, right? I mean, that's a given. We're going to send more. We're going to plant more. We're going to disciple more. We're going to raise up more. And if all we ever do is continue to raise, teach, and equip, why isn't that good enough? Come on, church, because, listen, together we have a place to start, and together we can do more than we could do separately, right? This is what I need us to embrace inside of it. I need us to grab a hold of these things because God is bringing gifts. God is bringing his anointing. God is bringing his presence, right? And I don't want to waste it just on a Sunday morning experience. I want to empower it to a mission that pushes us into the glory of God. Remember Psalms 37, 23? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Listen, church, and he delights in his way. Let me say this. I want you to write this down, and I believe this with all my heart. And just like last year, I have no idea the prophetic um, equivalent of it. I'll leave that to the prophetic people. But 2021 is going to be a year of hope. And it is a time to let God's glory and holiness be our vision. The greatest source of hope can come out of the darkest moments. Hey, brother, hand me that mic right there. Leora, come here quickly, and I want you to share what you shared with me during worship. Stand with me in this house, please. Leora came up during worship, and she said, I saw something. And I asked her then, I said, we just hold that to the end of the sermon. And uh, I want us to just listen to what she saw. Uh, Again, we listen to what the prophet saw, so it's good. So as we were singing Graves into Gardens, 
I just felt the Lord say that he's taking the grave that was 2020 and turning it into the garden that is 2021. And as we were uh, singing, I just asked the Lord what that meant and what that looked like. And he showed me this picture of a dying rose bush, specifically a rose bush, and it was being pruned. And then he showed me this picture of a rose bush that had blooming, beautiful pink flowers on it. And I believe that 2020 was a year of pruning, and it didn't always feel good, right? It, there were some really hard times, but 2021 is a year of fruitfulness, and we have to press into that because God wants to use each and every one of us. He wants to use Firm Foundation Ministries as a church. He wants to use us to change the world in 2020, excuse me, 2021. And so I just want to encourage you guys that, yeah, 2020 brought a lot of really hard things, but there's even greater things coming. Amen. I believe we should receive that word based on the fact that she had no idea what I'd written in my notes, other than the fact that I've been advertising that I believe this year's gonna be a year of hope. And, and, and in ways that you couldn't imagine you could have hope. That's the good thing about God is he shows us things that are beyond who we are or we can ever imagine. And so as a way of celebrating that this morning, I want us to just worship here for a minute. Put yourself in Isaiah's position to say, here am I, Lord. I shared a dream with you, and here's my encouragement. Every time I wake up from a dream like that, I always say, here I am, Lord. How many times did the New Testament open up with a dream? How many times as the New Testament opened up did God speak in dreams? I believe God speaks that way. I don't want to get all, hello somebody, and new age mysticism on you. God's been doing that way before any of that mess came in. Everything should be governed by the word. If it's not in the word, then we, hello somebody, we don't practice it. Um, those two dreams... I said, here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord. I don't, I don't want to be there in that room and that thing attacked me. I don't want to, hello, somebody, but uh, here I am. This year, God's going to speak to us in prophetic ways. He's going to speak to us through the word. He's going to speak to us in prayer. He's going to speak to us. And all of it, I anticipate, will be words that we can gather hope from. And we need to embrace it. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, have your way. Pour yourself out. Do what only you can do. We say as a church, as a ministry, here we are. Physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. Here we are. Send us, Lord. We wait on you, Jesus. We wait on you, Lord. message has touched you in a way you want to put some prayer to it you're welcome to come to the altar
chaos to give us unity and that's what we need more than ever today in this place the unity of your presence the unity of your spirit the unity of your vision God and God we anticipate what you'll share with us in the next few weeks we pray it in Jesus name and everyone said amen turn around and tell someone you love them God bless you